0: let's open up to john chapter 5 as we dive back into this chapter where basically they were challenging jesus as to who he really was you might remember um, what had happened was jesus had healed uh, a lame man on the sabbath day and he told him to carry his mat and so when the religious leaders saw that uh, this guy's working on the sabbath day uh, they uh, found out it was Jesus and they basically wanted to then persecute him and execute him for doing something so beautiful. And that just goes to show you how crazy religion can be. When we start elevating truce, be, uh, start elevating tradition above truths, man, we can get lost in that and it can eventually reach a point where the devil is in church, where the devil is, is actually possessing some of these spiritual leaders and so that was what's going on he was uh, fighting this we're in the middle of this challenge and so they were doubting who jesus was and so what we're going to read today is the lord then says okay well i'm really the messiah i'm really the christ i really have been sent by the father i really am the son of god the savior of the world and let me share with you some some witnesses that that way you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that jesus is our savior and that you could put your faith in him. And that way, when you put your faith in him, you could know beyond a shadow of a doubt that on that day when we die, because unless the Lord raptures us, we will all be there one day facing death. And on that day, we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'm about to enter into heaven. Because Jesus really is, who he is, who, who he said he was. And so the, we're going to look at the witness, and Jesus is share four witnesses, and then we'll close with the will. And so you can look at all the evidence as far as who Jesus is, but then you have to make a decision. Like, um, you know, will you follow him or not? It's a yes or a no. There's nothing in between you know, and and, and as you're a Christian, that's the simplicity of it, it's not a religion, it's not about, well, whether or not you come to church or not, I mean, I believe coming to church service is very important, because we're part of a body, and we need each other, and there's so many things that you bring that that I don't have, and that, you know, we need to help each other, and we're going to grow, and stuff like that, But, but coming to church service, it doesn't It's not about that. It's about you having really made a decision in your heart that 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 heart you have belongs to Christ, that your life belongs to Christ, that you have chosen. Jesus made it really simple. Follow me and that you have chosen to follow Jesus. If you haven't, then you're not a Christian. It doesn't matter how much you, you go to church. It doesn't matter how much Bible knowledge you have. It doesn't matter, you know, none of those things. Like, you know, the John the Baptist was talking to the Jews, and, you know, they were so proud of the fact that they were Jews, and, and John said, hey, I'm able to raise up descendants from Abraham from these stones. It's got nothing to do with that type of stuff. You have to really have had made a, a decision. My my life belongs to Jesus. He died for me. And he rose again. And I believe in him that one day when I stand before God naked with my own righteousness, which is nothing, it's nothing but wretchedness, that on that day when I stand before God, I will be forgiven because I will be bathed, I will be clean, I will be blood bought in the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so we have the witness here. And now let me just tell you guys something. You you know, you may think well, uh, being a Christian, you know, as far as education and they can't really, you know, go together. No, this is very very factual information for the objective individual who wants to know what truth is. Christians haven't checked their brains in at the door. No, we have a faith founded on fact, and there is the evidence there, there is the fact there, and then what happens is, is there's enough evidence, there's enough facts there that when you place your faith in Christ, then he comes in, and then it's amazing what happens when God comes into your life. He proves himself, he shows himself to you. It's this relationship that we have. Look look what you read here in John 5. Again, in the middle of this chapter, there's this challenge uh, they don't believe him, but so the Lord now gives the witness. He, he says in, in verse thirty-one of John five, "If I bear witness of myself, my my witness is not true." Now later he'll he'll say something different. It doesn't mean his witness is not true. It just means that they wouldn't receive it as truth. Why? Because he's bearing witness of himself. The the rabbis commonly spoke of the fact that you needed more than one witness. It can't just be one person speaking about himself. And so he says, if I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is another who bears witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. You, he says, have sent to John. And now he's speaking of John the Baptist. And he has borne witness to the truth. Yet I do not receive testimony from man, but I say these things, that you may be saved he was the burning and shining lamp and you were willing for a time to rejoice in his light witness number one john the baptist is jesus really the christ is jesus really the messiah is jesus really sent from the father is jesus really the son of god is jesus really the savior of the world we have to make a decision you know have you guys ever done jury duty have you guys ever done that? Um, some of you guys have, and you know how it works. And some of you guys, have you ever gotten out of jury duty? I'm just curious. You tried? <laughs> um, I like jury duty, to be honest. I kind of like going and just, you know, trying to make sure that there's justice and serve my community, whatever. But, you know, some people, they try to get out of jury duty. Um, this is, a, this is like, like the jury duty, or this is kind of like the whole courtroom setting that we cannot escape. We can't. The evidence will be presented. The evidence has been presented. And we must make a decision, either yea or nay. We have to make this decision. And so here the Lord brings in witness number one, and his name is John the Baptist. And wow, what a witness he is. Here we see the Lord sharing about John. And man, this guy we know was heavy-duty. He was the anointed anointed forerunner, spoken of in the Bible in Isaiah chapter forty, verse three. He was a voice crying in the wilderness. Now that was a prophecy from the Old Testament, and so imagine, after four hundred years of silence, the voice of God came onto the scene. Imagine that, you know? I mean, imagine the anointing. Imagine what what it must have been like to go out and hear the one that had been prophesied in 700 BC, now after 400 years of silence, this voice from God. You know, Jesus said, you guys sent to him. You guys sent representatives to John who was there, you know, beside the Jordan. He didn't have a church church. On the freeway, he didn't have a church that was visible. I mean, you had to go out, you had to travel, you had to find out where this guy was. And the people came from Judea, Judea, Samaria, all around the Jordan, man, the thousands of people, they flocked to John the Baptist. Why? Why did they all come out? Because he had that anointing of God upon his life. Imagine this witness of John the Baptist. You know, here Jesus says... You went and, and you, you sent for him. We read about that. If you want to go back to John chapter 1. Look what you read in, in verse 19. It says, now, now this is a testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, well, who are you? And he confessed and did not deny, but, but confessed, I am not the Christ and they asked him, well, what then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. And then they said to him, well, who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? And he said, I am. And now he's quoting from Isaiah 40. He's the one fulfilling this prophecy that I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. He he was there. They sent, they got the answer They went back to Jerusalem. Jesus said, you have this witness that the voice of God has come. This Baptist has come. And what we find is that the Lord sharing with them that he gave the message to make straight the way of the Lord. Another way to put it is John said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. You know, it's crazy, you guys, how sometimes people, they don't become Christians because they still want to drink or they still want to do drugs or they still want to you know, do, have sex before marriage or whatever. The, the different things they want to do, they're not willing to let go of it. And God is just saying, don't let that stop you from going to heaven. I know life is a struggle. I know we all have different you know, issues. But if you're just willing, if you would just be willing to let go of the sin and you come to me, I will set you free and I will give you power. And and so the Lord said this about John. Imagine what it must have been like hearing him preach. He was this burning and he was a shining light in the darkness. They had this witness. You know, back then they didn't have light bulbs like this. They had flames. You ever heard someone say, hey, that individual, that person over there, they're on fire for God. They're on fire. Have you guys ever heard that? That was John the Baptist. He was on fire for the Lord. He was this witness that was absolutely undeniable in their generation it would be almost like, or I don't know, maybe it's not as, I don't know how to compare the two, but Billy Graham, you know, Billy Graham was truly called by God and anointed by God, and all the way to the very end, you just see multiple people get saved under the ministry of Billy Graham, and so I I don't want to take anything away from the entire ministry, but I tell you what, when you saw Billy Graham preach, and we have videos of him when he was young, uh, that's what I would say, man, that guy was on fire, that guy was anointed by God, that was That guy was undeniably a witness for Jesus. That was John, and Jesus said, "You guys had that that burning lamp, that shining lamp, you know, for for a season." You know, yesterday, even at the at the funeral, it was just a a blessing. It was just amazing to me to see how many people came. You know, I don't know, thousand people more. You know, and, and to see uh, afterwards, just talking to the different individuals, I wanted to go and talk to people from UPS and stuff like that, and, and basically, you know, they were just talking about how what an impact, you know, Joey had made in, in their life. You know, his love, his smile, his compassion. And in the end, I'll tell you what, his witness for Christ. You know, Raymond was saying that when they would do devotions in the morning, before work, Joey said, I want to invite more guys. I want to invite guys to our our, our devotion. And Raymond said, okay, go ahead, invite them, you know. And so Joey said, well, I'm not sure exactly how to do it. Do I just, you know, tell everybody? And so what he said that he did is he would just get his Bible. And he said, I'm just going to get my Bible, and I'm going to just walk through the corridors of my job. And then if someone, you know, looks at me or someone approaches me, then I'll be able to say, hey, invite, uh, you know, come. You know, we're studying the Word of God together. You know, and I was just thinking, and as Raymond was telling me, I think, man, how many people would be willing to walk through their jobs with their Bible in front of them? How many? Well, when I think of that, I think of someone on fire. I think of someone that, that God got a hold of their heart. There's a special season, there's something going on there. And not an obnoxious Christian either, because sometimes some Christians can be weird and obnoxious. No, you know, holding the Bible with love, holding the Bible with with just that, that representation that you know is like Jesus. And so the Lord said, you know, let me call witness number one. You guys know who he is. He's John the Baptist. You can't deny him. You can't deny what happened in his ministry. You know that he was on fire, that he was his burning lamp that shined. Unfortunately, he says it was only for a season. You guys, unfortunately, didn't let this last and take its toll. You didn't listen to his message. But what we find is that the Lord here sharing this amazing message about John the Baptist who was this light. And it reminded me of that passage in Matthew 5 and verse 16. This morning when I woke up, I also thought about it, or my brother Joey, where it says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify who? Your Father who is in heaven. You know, if you ever see a good work in anyone, don't glorify that person you glorify the Lord because the Lord is the one that has done the work. And so witness number one, just in case you're wondering, is Jesus really the Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of the world? Has he really been sent by the Father? Can I place my faith in him? One day when I'm facing death and I'm about to go through death's door, do I have enough evidence? Do I have this confidence to know that one day on the other side of time I am about to enter into heaven? Witness number one, John the Baptist. Witness number two, Jesus says, are my works. Notice what he says in verse 36. But, I have a greater witness than John's for the works which the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. Jesus said, I have a greater, a weightier witness than than John's. It's the The miracles, the the works that the Father has given me to finish, they prove the Father has sent me. You know, I I know this is very important. You know, you read the Old Testament. It said the Messiah would do these signs and wonders, you know. I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but I'm a pretty good basketball player. Uh, I mean, I shoot 95% from the free throw line, 90% think about it, from the three-point line. I can ball big time. I can even dunk from the top of the key. I don't know if you guys knew that or not. I've won every single one-on-one I've ever done against Kevin Durant. I'm telling you guys, man. So is there anyone here who believes me? I'm just curious. You're my friend. (laughs) Of course not, right? There's no way you'd believe me unless you saw it for yourself, Unless there were like a multitude of witnesses who could testify, yeah, I saw Manny go one-on-one and he put Kevin Durant to shame. See, if you saw that, if people saw that, then you would know it was true. That's what we have in Jesus. The one who spoke the greatest greatest words ever spoken, we have this in, in our Bible, he also did the greatest works ever done. You know, if you ever get a chance, uh, I remember when I first became a Christian, I got a big, fat, thick book. It's called The Evidence That Demands a Verdict by Josh McDowell. And it is literally like going to court and looking at all the evidence in which you can make a decision on whether or not Jesus really is the one we put all our faith in. And it's it's not just compelling, it's overwhelming evidence. When you look at what Jesus did, I mean, He healed the deaf, the mute, the blind, the lame. He made whole the withered hand with his own hand. He touched and mended the lepers and fevers would flee, bleeding would end. There wasn't a physical ailment that Jesus could not heal. He turned water to wine, he calmed the waters, controlled the storms, brought hundreds of fish into a net, and one time told Peter to drop a line of fish, uh, to a line for a fish to catch in order to pay the temple tax. He didn't just calm the storms. He walked on water, fed thousands with only five loaves and two fish, did it at least a couple of times. He dried up the trees from the roots, and oh yeah, uh, by the way, he defeated death. He defeated death numerous times, raising Jairus' daughter, a widow's son. Later, we're going to see in John 11, he raises Lazarus. And then, uh, eventually, he raises himself from the dead. And so, if you're wondering whether or not you can put your confidence in Christ, give your life to Christ, the evidence is, yes, it's overwhelming. I mean, we have the witness of John the Baptist who Jesus said in Matthew eleven eleven is the greatest of all prophets. And then we have the, the works of Christ himself. That's what Jesus says right here. You should believe in me. I mean, who else has ever come close to doing any of this? No one. You know, maybe he is the Christ. And then the Lord calls in witness number three. We read in Verse 37 and and the father himself who he sent me who sent me has testified of me you have neither heard his voice at any time nor nor seen his form but but you do not have his word abiding in you because whom he sent him you do not believe the lord says third witness is pretty powerful it's the father himself you know they were upset that Jesus had healed a man on the Sabbath day and actually made him carry his mat and work on the Sabbath day. And so they were really upset about that, but then they got really upset to where they wanted to kill Jesus because he said that he was God's son, that that was his father. And we read there in John 5, he made himself equal with God. And so they were really upset with this whole thing about his connection with the father. And Jesus says, well, he's also a witness of mine. The father himself, uh, when you really look at the scriptures, I think in two ways. Number one, there was the audible voice. There was an audible voice. When Jesus got baptized, you know, the, the skies were split and the voice came down from heaven. This is my beloved son. Hear him. He told Jesus, you are my son in whom I am well pleased. There was an audible voice. I'm sure the word went around. And then there are other times as well, and you know, we'll read it as we continue our journey through the Gospel of John, there was an audible voice, but primarily there is an internal voice. You know, whenever you hear the still small voice of God in your heart, ultimately that is the word from the Father. The Father himself is speaking to you. You know, but sometimes what ends up happening is we don't listen, we close our eyes. Jesus said right here, you guys, you got this problem, you don't listen to the still small voice you don't listen. You don't listen to your conscience. You won't listen. And I put that there. The Lord here is telling them, hey, the Father is another witness. You know, what I find in life, and I've seen it throughout the years, is that we have to listen to God. And I believe, you guys know this, that we have this personal relationship with him in which the holy spirit speaks to us and he tells us things and one of the keys and most important aspects of life is listening to that still small voice inside of you and he tells you things about how to be a husband or how to be a wife or how to be a single person or how to be a parent or how to serve god and maybe for whatever reason you doubt that the god of the universe can speak to you and therefore you don't even listen to him but he is. It's him. It's him, and there's no doubt that the father was trying to reach these guys, you know. As as his son shows up on planet Earth, and he's come to. He says, I'm, "I'm telling you this so that you can be saved." But man, they just would not listen. They would not see, even though his voice was there and his son was there. And the and the Lord just says. There's a witness going on that you're completely ignoring. It's important for us to respond to the tugs of our hearts. It's important for us, uh, that still small voice. The Bible says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the day of rebellion. You know, the Lord is so cool, man. What he does is he puts things on our on our. And our heart and, he, and he, he's convicts me so many times of areas of my life that need to change and 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 i try you know i'm like okay lord and, I, and i'll get in my prayer closet and he'll show me things that i need to get up and i need to do differently you know and that's just the lord You know, as God is sharing with these Pharisees, these religious leaders, that unfortunately, and it's crazy to think that a religious leader in such a position could actually be an instrument of the devil, but that's what was going on right here. They wanted to, you know, persecute and execute the Christ. Where does that come from? That comes from the devil. The devil sometimes sits in church. And what we're seeing right here as Jesus is exchanging this conversation with the religious leaders, not just with people in the pew, people in the pulpit. And this is why it's so important that we don't get caught up in that stuff. You know, here the Lord says, hey, witness number one, John the Baptist, pretty big witness. Witness number two, the works and wonders and miracles that I've done Can you see them? Witness number three, that voice inside of you, that audible voice that is undeniable. You know, the Father himself. And then witness number four are the scriptures. Look what he says in verse 30. 30, Where am I? I want to start from verse 37. And the Father himself who sent me has testified of me, Jesus said. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form, but you do not have his word abiding in you because whom he sent, him you do not believe. You search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life and these are they which testify of me. So witness number four would be the scriptures, the word of God. You know, what we find after the temple was destroyed in 586 B.C., the Jews, uh, from that point forward, they really entered into a meticulous study of the law. They, they studied them diligently, thoroughly, investigated, poured over the letters minutely. They believed, they honestly came to a, this conclusion that if they could study the Bible, uh, through that, they could be saved. They could find life in the Word. But, but what we find is that life is not found necessarily in the Bible, the pages of the Bible. It's the person of the Bible. And it's important for us to make sure that it's not just the Word of God, but it's the God of the Word. And do you know Him? Do we know Him? You know, in one sense, it's like uh, uh, the ability to be able to see the revelation of God, but sometimes what ends up happening, and even in churches or even amongst pastors, is they worship the Bible. They they worship, you know, the Bible study. They you know, think that they're right with God because they might know Greek or Hebrew, or they might be able to... You know, uh, interpret it or preach it or whatever it might be, and you know, I know for me, the Lord has shown me, and I and I just have to keep reminding myself that, manny, it's not enough, you know, to preach the word of God or study the word of God or even know the word of God. You have to know God. You know, I've learned this, and I and I pray that we would really learn this, you know, because. The best of men are men at best. Sometimes even in the church, we might esteem a person. We might esteem a pastor, but we're nothing. We're nothing. You guys know this. I'm just like you. If you knew everything about me, you wouldn't want to listen to me. You wouldn't want to listen to me. And if I knew everything about you, I wouldn't want to talk to you. This just a way that it would work. Man. Who are we? We are sinners. Apart from Christ, what are we? We're wicked. We're wretched. Every single one of us. And the closer I get to the Lord, the more I realize how messed up I am. I am a sinner. The only one that deserves veneration or elevation is Jesus. Jesus. He's the head of this church. He's the Savior of the body. It's my job, just like it was John's job, just like the Father has the same heart, to point you... To him, you know, because we search the scriptures, and hey, we know them, and hey, I, you know, now I know this one by heart, or whatever, and and the Lord is saying it's not just so that you can know the Bible or search the scriptures or know how many words or letters or verses or all that kind of stuff, because they were so caught up in that. They, they when you when you search the scriptures, Jesus said, "These are they which testify of me, because I know this that." You know, Jesus will be sufficient for you. Whatever you're going through, whatever you will face in life. And there will be no man and there will be no church, really, that is going to be able to give you what you need. Jesus will. And that's why it's our job to give you Jesus. These guys right here, they knew the Bible inside and out, upside and down. But Jesus says, you didn't know the contents of the scriptures that speak of the Christ. They had it in their heads, but not in their hearts. They knew the book, but not the author. They knew that Moses wrote it, but they didn't believe really what Moses wrote. They had the word all around them, but they did not have the word in them. You know, they searched the scriptures. And right here, the Greek word, it means to track the scent like a bloodhound. I mean, they were after it but they didn't realize that it was supposed to lead them to this intimate personal relationship with God. You know, so I want to encourage you guys in this way. Like when you read the Bible, like wherever you're at, you know, you might be here in Micah, you might be here in Isaiah, you might be here in second Kings, wherever you're at, as you're reading the scriptures, you know, you ask the Lord to show you, what does this teach me about Jesus? What does it teach me about Jesus? Because you can open up anywhere. You can preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. And as you're there and you're learning about the Lord, then you're going to be getting exactly what the Lord intends. I mean, when you read the scriptures, Hebrews 10, verse 7, it says, Behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do your will, O God. That's what Jesus said. The volume of the book is all about him. In Luke 24, we have that story of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And remember, you guys, they were going in the wrong direction because they had become disillusioned on the, the plans of, of Jesus. They didn't think he was supposed to do this, and then he got you know crucified, and now supposedly there's a rumor that he's resurrected. I'm not even going to deal with it. I'm just going to go the other way. And then it's so cool what is, happens. The, the Lord comes. And he joins them in their walk, and he's like, Hey, you guys, what's going on? And then they start pouring out their hearts to them. And then Jesus just begins to share, and and then he opens up the scriptures to them. And it's just so beautiful what we read in Luke 24, 25 through 27. He said to them, O foolish ones, slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken, ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them and all the scriptures the things concerning himself. You know, the Lord said, hey, I can start anywhere in the beginning and it's all about Jesus and this is what he was supposed to do. He's supposed to come. There's two comings, not just one. The first time he comes, he comes to die for our sins. The second time he comes, he comes as a lion and he will judge and then he will rule and we look forward to that. And so it's kind of cool when you read Luke 24, it says that when the Lord shared the word of God with them in this way that their hearts burned within them because they expounded the scriptures and showed them what it was really about, who it was really about. It's all about Jesus. And I, and I pray you would know that. I pray you would know that. You know, Because I don't want you guys to come to church and and for me to give you an apple and then you go home and you eat it and then it's gone. I I pray that you would come to church service and we give you an apple tree and you take it home and you plant it in your heart and you have this tree with you always. Always. This world, it's antichrist. This world is so many distractions. And I'm so concerned because I don't see people on fire for the Lord the way they should be. I see them on fire for the world. They love the world. And I'm not saying you got to be weird or anything, but when the Lord gets a hold of your heart, it's 24 7. It is. And you, you just look at everyone and you wonder, man, do they know the Lord? You wonder, and it's such a heavy burden on our hearts, that this for us, I want to encourage you, I want to just beg you, I want to challenge you, when you read the Bible, you know, look for Jesus, you know, you cut it anywhere and it bleeds red, that's what Adrian Rogers said. You know, when you read the Old Testament, it's amazing to me how many prophecies there are of Christ. I don't know if you guys knew this or not, Um, there's the book Evidence That Demands a a Verdict. There's another book, it's called All the Prophecies of Christ by Herbert Lockyer. It's a, a great book, and I mean, just so that God can prove to us that he really is who he said he was. And so he gave all these prophecies predicting so many things about Jesus, when he would be born, where he would be born, you know, what lineage he would come, I mean, how he would die, what he would do, who he would be buried next to, I mean, you name it, just a ton of mir- of prophecies. They say, I have one handout, uh, if you're ever interested, I can you know share it with you, 365 prophecies from the Old Testament about Jesus, just so that it can prove to us that he really is who he said he was. And so I was reading on this, and I don't know if you guys realize this, the odds of someone fulfilling these prophecies are overwhelming. They say that the odds of one individual fulfilling just eight of those prophecies is 10 to the 17th power or 10 with 17 zeros. That's a big number. I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, that's a lot. It would be the equivalent of us taking the whole state of Texas. Think about it. You guys know Texas is big, right? Filling it two feet high in silver dollars taking one of those silver dollars, put an X on it, get someone to fly over the state of Texas and drop it off from an airplane or whatever. And then you get somebody, you blindfold them and you tell them, go into the state of Texas and you got one chance to pick that one coin. And if you get it right, that's the odds of someone fulfilling just eight prophecies What Jesus fulfilled 365. The, 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 the evidence is not just compelling, it's overwhelming. I know when I die, I'm going to heaven because I have placed my faith in Him. Him. He has proven Himself to me. I mean, we just have four witnesses here. John the Baptist, we have... You know, the the Father. We have the works. We have the scriptures. And then I'll never forget the day that I asked Christ into my life. And he came in. And he just manifested himself to me. You know, most of you here, you've already done that. You've already done that. And I thank God for that. Maybe there's someone here. Maybe there's one person who has not yet done that. I invite you today to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The God of the universe came and died for you and wants to live in your heart. But you have to make that decision to follow Him. What we find here is the Lord gives His amazing witness. But but notice what happens as we close this section that they didn't believe in Him in spite of the overwhelming witness because of their will we move from the witness now to the will and how important that is look at verse 40 he says but you are not willing to come to me that you may have life i mean the bible uses like different like ways of describing how an individual gets saved you know we talk about faith we talk about calling on the name of the lord we talk about receiving him If you could just visualize it in this sense also, just coming to him. Just coming to him. Just come to him as you are. You know, maybe you're thinking, well, I'm too bad. Uh, I I can't, he will never forgive me. No, you come as you are. Maybe you're here and you're thinking, well, I'm too good. I don't really need him. No, you do. (laughs) Come to him. They were not willing to come to him. And that sometimes we see it's because we love our sin or just different reasons that we're rationalizing. And, you know, God just says, by faith, just come to me. When I got saved, I didn't understand everything. I didn't. But I knew a couple of things. Number one, I knew I was a sinner. And number two, I knew Jesus was the Savior. And I came. That's all he's saying. They weren't willing to come. And, and you wonder why the witness is overwhelming. The evidence is overwhelming. And when, with them, look what it says in verse 41. Jesus says, I do not receive honor from men, but I know you, that you do not have the love of God in you. We'll come back to that. I have come in my Father's name and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you will receive. Speaking of of the Jews and how one day they would receive the Antichrist, but also kind of a bigger picture. Like if you don't receive Jesus as your master, you're going to have another master. There will be some other master in your life because everybody has a master passion. Everyone has something, whether it be themselves or maybe a boyfriend, girlfriend, some type of perception of how life should be everybody has some some type of substitute for the jews uh, jesus right here is predicting that one day they would receive the antichrist and that would be for the first three and a half years of the tribulation but here's what their story was i I have come in my father's name you do not receive me if another comes in his own name him you will receive but notice what he says here he kind of gets down to the specifics of what they're dealing with how can you believe Who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from the only God. Do not think that I shall accuse you to the father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, in whom you trust. For if you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? couple of things in closing here you know the, these guys and i don't know if you would call it fame i'm not sure exactly what you would call it but they were really caught up in in, in this in this honor you know this honor oh mr pharisee oh mr chief priest oh mr and whatever you put the title is or whatever the accomplishment is oh you know you want to be famous oh you want this honor, they were so like stuck on that. It was such a huge thing. They were not willing to in any way mess with that or gamble with that because if I put my faith in Jesus, and I might not be, you know, have this position anymore, this honor anymore. They were so interested in the honor of men. Be careful of that. You know, what Jesus says, that's not how it was supposed to work for us. I just want the honor that comes from god i love you guys i love you with all my heart but i can't live my life to please you you can't live your life to please me or any other person really especially when it's at the expense of honoring god and that's where these guys were you know they were there and jesus says you know you say you believe the bible and and you know if i were to give you guys a paper and i would ask you do you believe the bible is god's word you know they would check off yes and they would put a big fat check mark there you know but they really didn't they they were deceiving themselves they really didn't you know and i i always like uh, sometimes i'll check myself manny Do you really believe we always have to examine our life do you believe in the power of prayer oh yes then then why don't you pray and then when you are praying do you believe that god can move this mountain that you're praying about you know they said they believed in moses but they really didn't and and what was going on at the end of the day this is one thing i've learned and i'll just close with this is that when you get saved, when you give your life to Christ, when you become a Christian, when it's real, when it moves beyond religion, into a relationship with God, when it's real, when you're born again, you're able to see everything. You're able to understand these things. It's not until then Because step number one, it starts. But you saying yes to Jesus. That starts there. You give him your heart. Then everything else is possible. The Lord said, I know you guys aren't saved. You want to know why? He says right there, I I know you. Look at verse 42. "I, I know you that you do not have the love of God. I cringe at the thought that so many people will stand before God one day and they'll say, I went to church, I served in the ministry, I read my Bible every day, I prayed, I cast out demons. And the Lord will say to them, depart from me for I never knew you. How do we know someone's really a Christian. Love. Love. And the Lord told these guys, I know you. I know you don't have the love of God in you. And they were upset that Jesus had healed somebody. A man who hadn't been able to walk for 38 years on the Sabbath day. And he made him walk, carry his mat. You know, we have to search our hearts, guys. Be careful that you don't put your rules and regulations and your petty traditions and all that man made stuff ab- above people. You know, when I look at you guys, and hopefully when you look at me and we look at each other, we love each other. We love each other. Wow, yeah, but they rubbed me the wrong way. We'll love them more. That's what Christians do. And the Lord said, the whole reason I, I tell you this is because I want you to be saved. Amen. And so you good? You good? you going to be okay when you stand before the Father? Yeah, better be gonna beat you up. We got to look out for each other, you guys. Just pray for us. Pray for this church.